Hello and welcome to the Endurance Coach Podcast. My name is Mark Laithwaite and I'm here today with my co-hosts, ultra runner and sports psychologist, Dr. Ian Bordley, and also with sports injury specialist, Mike James, aka the Endurance Physio. Each week, we'll be telling you what's new in the world of endurance sports. We're going to have some amazing guests on the show and we'll be discussing how you can reach your true potential on race day. So sit back and relax. We hope you enjoy the show. local to the northwest like me you may have actually been around Bolton last weekend just watching the uh, Ironman 7.3 which they've said is actually just for one year only but we'll see if that's the truth or not and uh, I went up spectating uh, had a great time watching everybody taking part uh, great atmosphere and great weather as well and I was stood on Sheep House and watching the lead come through and I recognised the, the physique and the speed and the power of a young lad who's from uh, originally from Wigan. James Scott Farrington came through and he went on to, uh, to win the event. And we're lucky enough to have him on the podcast today. So welcome, James. Hi, James, for having me. Yeah, no worries at all. Now, James, you did say that you have listened to the podcast before and you are a big fan, aren't you? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah OK, that's fine. We can continue then. We can continue. <laughs> So just um, so to kind of give people an introduction, because interestingly, obviously I, I, I know you because I've known you from the past and I know that you're local. But a lot of people actually, it was quite interesting, a lot of local triathletes who I was chatting to um, had no idea who you were. Yeah. You know? And I'm just so I think it's probably a good a good way to start is for you just to talk a little bit about, you know, where you're from, how you got into triathlon and kind of, you know, where it's gone since to get to the point that you're at now yeah so um so I'm, i live on charlie new road which is where the run is for the for the iron man and always has been um and i guess coming into triathlon quite late because uh, when i was when i was little i had um service disease which is like um it's like a a, a bone plate uh, growth issue in your achilles uh, you get it from like 12, 10 to 10, 12, 13, 14-ish. And luckily, I, I managed to get it for the whole amount of time. So I couldn't do much sport when I was young. Uh, got playing football pretty late and um, and then kind of packed playing football in when I was like 16, 17 because I just kept getting injured. And then the Ironman UK was on uh, and I was like, oh, that looks all right. I'll give that a go. Um, and at which time I was like running, um, like, you know, three, four times a week, just literally out to the Reebok and back. Um, and then I joined uh, Wigan, Wigan Triathlon Club, and started doing stuff down there at, at Lee um, when um, when Mike Myers was running it. Um and I used to turn up to the track sessions and I think Mike got pretty excited when he saw saw how quick I could run. Um, but then he saw me uh, then he saw me swimming and I think he was panicking that around. Um, so yeah, um, so that was pretty much it. Like it just started from like 17, 18. Uh, just went straight into it head first. Um, but you know, I couldn't really swim that well. Couldn't really ride a bike that well, and I could run all right. I was, I think, when I started, I was like a thirty-seven minute ten k runner. Um, and then when I was eighteen, I went to Leeds, up to university, and I've just been plugging away ever since then, really. Fantastic. What did you study at Leeds? Sorry. What did you study at Leeds? Uh, sports therapy. So um, I've got a master's in sports therapy now. So I did it for my undergrad. And then went on to do it in part time as masters, really just to drag the degree out so I could just keep training and uh, didn't have to face the real world. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Are you facing the real world now? <laughs> uh, well, I might not be if uh, if everything goes goes all right with being trying to be a professional triathlete, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you using your sports therapy stuff at the moment? Are you still working in sports therapy? Or? Uh, I'm, I've still got my insurance, um, but I've not really done much work. Um, I just try and... I just try and keep up to date with research and stuff. Um, I'm quite interested in in tendons um, because I've had quite a lot of tendon injuries. Yeah. Um, so I'm I, I quite like keeping up to date with the research on that and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm not I'm not currently doing any practicing sports therapy or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting to say because um, despite the fact that you are very very local. Uh, some people don't know who you are because I think you've kind of chosen and picked your races and what you've done and then you went away to university probably and you've only come back well still relatively recently um, and we still do see you around the northwest scene and doing doing a few races and that but but yeah it, it, it's fascinating I think that a lot of people um, were kind of saying, who's that guy leading oh he'll probably struggle on the run I said oh no he won't struggle mm-hmm. on the run that's James, James Scott Franklin won't struggle on the run he'll, I think he'll probably be pretty strong from what Missed past results, so it was interesting that a lot of people, probably with the seven point three now, maybe the people will start realizing that you are local and you know start looking at your results and know who you are a bit more. So Bolton, the race itself, the seventy point three. Just talk us through that. Just I think everybody be interested just to hear how the race went for you, how it panned out. So you know from the, from the swim, the bike, the run, you know what your strategies were and and how you found the day. Yeah. So. Um... So I'm doing so I mean both like kind of like uh, I'm I'm doing Portugal. It's my first pro race. So going into that, I'm 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 quite nervous because I know that the swim's going to be absolutely on it uh, because there's a lot of ITU guys there and there's a lot of of well established um, pros. And I've been working a lot on my swim. You know, I've been swimming five six times a week just to try to, to try and get few more seconds under me so and and the start of the bike in Portugal is is really hilly the first 30k is it's like 800 meters of climbing um and obviously Bolton has a lot of climbing in it so my mindset for it was I want you to treat this like Portugal is going to be so I wanted to try and swim as hard as I could I, I pretty much knew that I'd be I'd be swimming solo um and I just wanted to really, really get stuck in on the bike uh, and treat it like I was getting head kicked in at Portugal. Um, so that's kind of how I went about about the first bit of the race. And then when I got onto the run, um, again, I kind of knew that I'd be, I'd be pretty safe. And when I got off the bike, I had six minutes. So I was like, well, I just need to run and just finish, really. So that, that's kind of how I went about it. But, I mean, I really tried to, on the bike especially, just really tried to attack the hills and just see what I could do. And um, I actually surprised myself on the day because I was riding. I was looking down at my power meter and I was like, huh, well, this is going all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to bring it in at this point as well because um, Ian's on the call and he's sat listening intently. Uh, Ian, is there any... any things that you've noticed so things you wanted to talk about at this point yeah one or two things hi james um yeah probably uh, there's a few things that uh, james mentioned earlier that would be good to come back to but just if we uh, just sticking with the race there in terms of what you've said so um you said that you um you anticipated that this one would be solo um it sounds like it, it panned out that way is that is that right uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, I didn't really know who was doing the race. Uh, so I swam the whole thing solo, but when I got out of the water, turned around and, uh, and Simon was actually behind me. Um, I, think, I think he swam two seconds quicker than me. Um, but, I, you know, I turned around and I was like, huh, some, someone, someone else is here. Because um, quite often when I, when I do some of the age group races, I, I do often have the fastest swim or there or thereabouts. And especially with it being waved, it's quite difficult for people to get themselves to the front. Uh, and is that part of your strategy generally before a race to try and sort of imagine how each of the legs might be just so that you can sort of prepare mentally for 
for the race. So is that what you're trying to do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I always, before any race, I always just use, think about the swimmers just trying to, you know, get get bit of a leg up on everyone else. Um, it's quite difficult when you're racing people that are also kind of similar ability, but it's also quite nice to try and get out in a pack as well. Like, um, like was the case in like Outlaw, Nottingham and Holcomb. Um, that kind of gave me a good idea of like what a pro race is going to kind of be like in, in, in respects to like, um, like the, the race dynamics, I suppose. And this seems, it seems to be swimming's progressed quite a lot because this is one of the things that I picked up on what you said earlier in terms of when you first started in try, you were obviously running at that point, but your, your swimming wasn't that strong. So it sounds like this is something that you've really been able to sort of uh, improve uh, as a discipline. But I'm interested in sort of those initial steps in terms of, you know, what was it you did or who did you sort of work with to sort of develop that and, and to build the sort of confidence and competence around swimming yeah um well when i started i think my 400 meter time will have been six six and a half minutes um and and now it's down at about 440 um and really it's it's just kind of coaching that i've had through the lead setup um initially with um like rob harvey uh, and Ollie Shannon, who who was helping out and coaching at the time, literally just basic stuff of body alignment. And then as it's progressed, it's just been like just tweaking little things here or there. Um, and I don't tend to learn that well from doing drills. It's more from like you know watching a better swimmer and seeing that you know they're continuing to pull all the way through the stroke and then they're letting go like when they get down to near the hip or they've actually got a really high elbow on the recovery. And I just think to myself, well, you do that in the pool now, see how it feels. Ask somebody, did that look right? And if it is, that's how it feels. Rather than doing, you know, you know, sort sort of all these kind of three, six, three and stuff. I I feel it's easier to, to watch somebody do it, try and do it, see if it feels right. And if it looks right, then it's probably right. Um, are you watching? Sorry, uh, are you watching them in person, or are you watching them on video? Uh, uh, in person and on video. Um, there's some good YouTube channels, but mainly, mainly in person because I've I've swam with swam with well, they're pretty much the best best athletes in the world. Um, like I've, I, here in Leeds, I've gone from training kind of with the basic university squad to to being an being privileged in being able to train with like Alistair, Jonathan, Gordon Benson, you know, all, all the best kind of athletes, Tom Bishop. And I, I've trained with all of them and I've seen how they all kind of do it. And I think that's one of the main things that's helped me is being involved with them guys. Yeah, you, you've um, seamlessly transitioned into what, one of my other questions because I was interested in which sort of setup you, you'd sort of worked with when you moved to Leeds. So, um, yeah, interesting that you working with that group obviously has been really helpful and bringing you on, I would imagine. And you're still training there now? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm still in Leeds. Because um, since COVID, I've been doing a lot more stuff on my own because obviously there's been uh, Olympic bubbles and and all that kind of all that kind of stuff. So I've not really seen seen them in the pool as much as I as I normally would have. But I've still been out riding and running with them. It's just kind of when they've tried to keep everything secure for, for the Olympics and that, but I've not really seen them as much. Yeah, and you mentioned Portugal, and obviously the swim there is going to be quite different, isn't it, in terms of you anticipating um, lots more people that are probably going to be in front and around you. So what are you doing sort of psychologically to prepare for that? Um, because I would imagine your tactics might be a bit different. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I've done a lot of open water stuff uh, with those guys as well. Um, so I just know that the first 200 metres will be very, very hard. And I think it's just going to be a case of getting out hard and then finding the best feet that I can and just sitting on and trying to recover for the swim and get out of the water and make a judgment of where I am after that point. Yeah, good stuff. So- 
And uh, and how far off that? Portugal, how how long to that? Uh, I think it's three weeks. Okay, so this has been an ideal leading, hasn't it? Um, yeah, and the other thing, just last thing for now from me was, um, you mentioned that you went into the run with a six-minute lead. So did that change what your objectives and strategy was for the run, or did you just still go out at the pace that you anticipated? Uh, yeah, um, so I have, I don't know what it is. I, I have a few difficulties when I'm running, uh, in, particularly in triathlons. Is I always, I always seem to stitch. Um, and I don't know if other people can relate, but I always stitch if I try and eat or drink when I'm running, <laughs> just in triathlons though. Um, and I was kind of like um in I was like, if I eat something at 10K, am I going to end up walking? So I was like, well, let's just see what happens if you don't eat anything. And uh, I can tell you that if you don't eat anything, you get to about 18K and you start seeing things. Um, so I, I think I went through 10k in like you know, uh, 34 minutes, maybe 35 minutes, and then at 18, 19k, as I was coming into town, I was walking through the aid station to make sure that I wasn't going to end up on the floor. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just like, well, I'll just run and I'll just run to a pace that feels comfortable. Uh, and it became very uncomfortable with like, yeah, three, four k to go. Yeah, interesting. So uh, you kind of took it as an opportunity to try something, but um, maybe not something that you'd, you'd repeat. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Um, so I think, but again, I've learned from it. And I know that going into Portugal now, I've got three weeks. So I'm going to do some, I'm going to do some pretty hard brick sessions uh, with the focus on making sure that I'm eating during the run on the brick session uh, to see if I can replicate making myself stick and if that is the issue then you know I can go away and I can ask somebody and be like have you got any advice and if I can't replicate it in a hard brick session then I don't know I don't really know what it is um but yeah like it was it was good to check like you know know that I do, I do what I do need to do for Portugal now you know <laughs> Uh, hopefully, if you replicate, if you if you test that out in a hard brick session and it's not happening, then hopefully it might not happen on the day. I guess that's the way of looking at it, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's it for me for now, Mark. I'll, I'm sure I'll come up with some more questions as I as we move through. Yeah, I'm listening and writing questions down. The um, I, I want to come back to the leads thing actually, but before then, I think we should uh, we should probably tackle the elephant in the room here, which is why you disappeared off the results at Ironman UK. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you can probably explain it better than I can. But in essence, so, you know, you you have been racing as an amateur and an age grouper, you know, it, for your whole triathlon career, and you decided to give it a go at racing pro. So applied for a license, and the license came through just before. Bolton 7.3 and you went ahead and raced but because there's no pros allowed and your license had landed a couple of weeks before they remove you from the results correct me if I'm wrong was that what happened yeah pretty much yeah uh so I entered so yeah so the whole season I've been age grouper um I've raced in like the elite waves at Outlaw, Nottingham and Holcomb but you just needed to email for them uh but yeah I entered Bolton on the 26th of June I got my pro license off the back of Holcomb uh, on the 27th of August. And then, yeah, had had a piece of paper saying that was a pro for a month. And uh, in the eyes of um, Ironman, that makes you a professional athlete in the governing body's eyes as well. So it means that you can't win an age group race or win overall an age group race. Uh, what I would have had to have done is I would have had to have emailed Ironman if I'd known these rules, I would have had to I, email Ironman and been like, yeah, I'm doing this race. Is that all right? And they wouldn't like, yeah, no worries. But on the results, you will just be down as the first overall finisher with reference to the fact that you're a male. Uh, and because that didn't go ahead, um, that, that's why I'm not on the results anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's so just, I know it's people that know you, like I know you, just know you as a local age grouper. So it's... Um, you know, no one would have thought anything of it, but uh, but I guess you know that's just life, and I suppose how how, how some of the rules work. But uh, but 
but yeah, but that answers that question because a couple of people did message me and say, where's James gone? Yeah. What's, what's going on with the results? So, uh, but yeah, but like I said, maybe next time, James, just wait another two weeks before you apply for your license and that's yeah. probably solved, isn't it? You know? <laughs> Uh, so just going back to this thing at uh, Leeds, and I'm just curious. I suppose in the, um, the social aspects of like training with that kind of group, you know, what the 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 atmosphere, that community, what you get from training with people like that. I'm interested just to know how when you went into it, you know, where you were in terms of your level and your training, and then what you learned from those guys, just the whole culture. So not just you know about my swim technique, but you know. What were they doing that you weren't, and how has it helped you kind of grow working with those kind of people? Uh, yeah, um, I think the main the main thing is that you know they absolutely love it. Yeah, uh, and I think I, I guess it's kind of a no brainer. Like they won't be doing what they're doing if they didn't love it, but yeah. they really do. Like they just love getting up and they just love training. They love exercise and they love being outside doing it um but i think i think the main the main takeaway which i think really applies to everybody is that you are you need to understand where you stand with other people because i was training with like tom bishop and elliot smales about three four years ago and those guys are animals you know they're doing like 30 35 hours a week their training is like non-stop and I tried to do it I didn't get any better I was tired I picked up niggles and then um I started training with uh, Alistair and Johnny and Gordon and those guys are animals like and again I was getting injured I was tired I wasn't getting any better and the last during COVID I've been able to take a step back and I've been able to kind of work my way up to doing that kind of training and I think that was the main takeaway is like, I can see what they're doing and I wanted to do it, but I've not got 21 years of, of that training behind me, whereas those guys have. Um, but now I think that I'm at a stage where I can, I understand my body more and I can kind of see how they can do it now. And I think that's probably the main, the main thing that's changed everything that I've done. So it, it wasn't really like at the time, it wasn't that they were doing anything differently. I think it was just they are at a stage in their careers or in their lives where their bodies can handle it and they can do it. Um, you know, everybody gets tired, everybody gets muscle soreness and stuff. But I think when you're used to it and your body's used to it, you can adapt to it better. Yeah. Um, whereas like, you know, I could be doing... I could be doing like 12 hours on Saturday and Sunday, like accumulatively. And on Monday, I was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was just absolutely binned. So that's like three days worth of training that's either compromised or really rubbish. And then you start getting back into it on Thursday and then all of a sudden you're doing 12 hours again on the Saturday and Sunday. And then it's just a cycle where you're just doing that all the time because then you're missing your track sessions out. You're missing your easy spins, easy runs are becoming quite hard. And then your long endurance is then compromised and it's just a knock-on effect all the time. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, I know what people will be really interested because I think this is what a lot of people find really fascinating. It's just to hear what is an average week for you. Because I think uh, questions people always want to know, isn't it? What's a, what's a typical week of training? You know, so what? just give us a brief overview what a, what a normal week would look for you like in the middle of the season. Yeah, I mean it's quite funny because uh, you always see you always see uh, professional triathletes saying that they do like thirty hours a week, and like I'm nowhere near that. I can do twenty to twenty five hours, um, and for people that use training peaks, like I'll be getting up to like one thousand two hundred to one thousand four hundred TSS, um, and I just don't think I'd be able to do that for thirty hours. But Monday is pretty pretty easy Monday and day, just uh, our swim, hour to two hours easy on the bike, uh, 50 minute run. Uh, Tuesday is, is a pretty on it day, so it's a hard swim, hard run session, so that's threshold run, and then I always try and do a bike just to spin the legs out. Wednesday is like a long day, um, so again, hour, hour and a half swim, four or five hours on the bike, 
and then I always try and do the run off the bike, maybe not off off the bike, but you know after an hour or two. Um, Thursday is either going to be another long ride or a long ride with efforts in it, with a run and a swim. Friday is like really easy swim, really easy run, really easy bike ride, and I'm just talking. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, just just take it really easy. Saturday, um, I do like a big run session, so it'd be like an hour to an hour and 15 minutes worth of session. And then I take it really easy on the bike, hour and a half, two hours tops. And then Sunday, it's more or less all about the bike. Um, try and do five hours if I can, or four hours, depending on how I feel. And then come back, eat a lot of food, have a sleep, and then try and do a long run. Um, yeah, so that's long run, 90 minutes, I think. Um, when when I wasn't swimming during COVID, I, I could do like hour 45, maybe push it up to two hours if I, if I was feeling like it. I, I wouldn't do a two-hour run often or even an hour 45 run that often. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think that for me the Saturday run session counts as a long run because uh, I can I can get up to twenty four k depending on the session and um, so I kind of think that if I've done all that on the Saturday why do I need to do another one on Sunday like I could just take it easy and get ready for the week ahead. Yeah, yeah. Jam, curious as well when you're talking through that week there, I hear a lot of oh you know just like easy bike, long bike, easy run, long run, just to from what I'm gathering from it, there sounded like a lot of volume, easy, steady stuff. And you didn't talk much about the hard stuff. You said I might throw some intervals in there. Is that pretty much how it pans out? I know people talk about 80, 20 and things like that. But are you doing quite a lot of volume, that easy, moderate intensity, and then with smaller amounts of high intensity work in there? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just a bit of a funny. I don't like going out on the bike. Um, it's, as, uh, it's as simple as that. Um I prefer I can I prefer to run hard. So like I say, Tuesday and Saturday will be the run days. And I don't know. I just I just feel like riding. Like I don't. I still don't feel like I'm at a place on the bike where I can be like uh, focusing on the the bike sessions. I still feel like I've I've not got that strength in my legs at four to five hours. Just the long steady stuff. Because I still get in from four or five hour rides and I'm like, my legs are sore. And I feel like yeah. if I'm getting in from a four hour ride and my legs are like, oh yeah, we're all right. Then I'll be like, right, okay, now I can think about going, going, doing some threshold efforts or some tempo efforts on the bike. But if I'm doing five hours on Wednesday and four hours on Thursday and on Friday, I'm like, well, my legs are really done. Yes. Do, I, do, I, do I need to be doing the, the threshold efforts yet? Or do I just need to make sure that my legs are bulletproof? Yeah. Do you know what? I, what you've just said there has absolutely hit the nail on the head for me. I'm not going to go off talking about stuff and blogs and all this kind of stuff. But it's, but you're absolutely, you know, I would absolutely agree with that, what you're saying, that um, if you can't go out and ride for that four or five hours steady and come back and feel OK, if you haven't got that, like you say, if your legs aren't bulletproof, then, then you, how can you then go and add intervals on top of it? So, uh, yeah, I absolutely hear what you're saying with that. Um, I know also you started running down at Horwich, didn't you, with Martin? Is, is, you running, is, is Martin who coaches you? Martin? Yeah, that's right. yeah. yeah, yeah. So interested to hear about that as well down at Horwich Areas with Martin and how that's helped you. Yeah, so, again, that was the start of lockdown. Um, I just approached him and I was just like, look, I'm doing triathlon. I was just after some advice. Can you help me out? And he just said, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, this, uh, Martin's kind of philosophy is, is like, you need to know how you're running. And I guess it's the same with anything. You need to know how you're swimming. You need to, need to know how you're riding. And for Martin, that comes from testing yourself. So whether or not that be, you know, that was mainly coming from like a 10K effort. So you can say, well, I am running X pace. And that now says for my run sessions, I need to be running at these paces. And I did that. I got to know my body a lot better. And 
that basically just just yeah from there I knew what I needed to run on a Tuesday I needed I needed I knew what I needed to run on a Saturday run session and then it's just consistency and making sure that you you kind of getting it done like some sessions will be rubbish and some will be great but as long as you I feel like as, as long as you're always consistently doing them then that's that and, and some of the sessions that Martin have, have, have brought towards me really scared me at the start because in Leeds there was kind of like this emphasis on the track on Tuesday short hard efforts the 4k worth of volume and then I turn up and Martin goes right I want you to run 10 by a k and I'd be like what 10 by a k I can't do that I'll, I'll be injured and you do it one week and you feel all right. You do it the next, you feel all right. And then all of a sudden you've got three months worth of like 10K on the track. And I'm doing, I was doing like uh, three by 20 minutes on a Saturday. And my run session volume's gone up. My sessions are like one hour and 45 minutes. You know, four years ago, if you told me to do that, I would have been like, are you mental? I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ian, I'm gonna come. I'm, I'm just conscious that I'm rabbiting on here. Is there, a, is there anything you want to come in on the conversation? Yeah, no, fascinating. It's good. Yeah, a couple of things that um, got me thinking there. Um, yeah, firstly, it just sort of going back to the the group at Leeds, uh, and obviously, I'm quite interested in sort of the psychological prep and any use of sort of you know whether you use any psychological skills, mental skills, just because. Obviously, training with that group, and they're, uh, they've got athletes in there that are sort of highest level of support in the UK system. So they've got, obviously got access to psychologists and so on. I was just wondering if that's a a key part of the, uh, of their preparation, and whether that's something that you sort of utilised as well in terms uh, of psychological support and mental skills. Why? Uh, I'm not. I'm, I can't really. I don't really know. Can't really say from from the lads' experience. Um, but even from my experience, it's not not really something that I've I've utilised. Um, but I think a lot of the support that I get um, kind of comes from like my girlfriend and and my my parents and just people that are around me. You know, when you when you're feeling a bit rubbish and you know you need a little bit of perspective on things. Um, but like. I think my, my my major thing that always keeps me kind of centered is is the next race. So for the last two months now I've been thinking about Portugal. Um and that for me is like the biggest motivator when I'm getting up at half five to go swimming. I'm just like, well, this is all in the name of of this goal. And then as soon as I do Portugal, I can guarantee that I'm just gonna be like, right, well I can't be asked. I've not, I've not got anything to to look forward to. And I'll probably chill out for a couple of weeks and then I'll be like right I'm going to do this this and this and then I'll be able to crack on again um but from the lads experience I, I don't really know what what they do but I'm sure that they probably have got people to talk to um definitely because a lot of that you know being at that level I'm they've been through a lot of injuries and stuff and and the stakes that are on on for them uh, and there's there's no way that they've they've probably been able to get through all that without any help. Yeah, no, it's interesting that you mentioned there, like the, the importance of social support, because having that support network around you is obviously important, isn't it? And a lot of what we talked about, you know, everything sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Because obviously you're talking about when you first came into the sport and the level that you're at and the progression's been great and that, you know, things are improving, but there must have been one or two disappointments along the way, I'd imagine. You sort of alluded to that when you're feeling, you know, a bit down at times. Is that is there something? Uh, have there been times when your progression is not? Uh, you mentioned injury a few times there, so I wonder, you know, how have you coped in those circumstances? That being that social support network that's been important um, in helping you sort of cope and, and get back on. Yeah, I think that. I think fortunately the injuries, such wood, were a lot of them were um, when I was kind of starting uni, so I was really starting triathlon. I think a lot of that came from doing too much too soon. Um, and in the in the past, so in the recent years, a lot of the injuries that I've had, there's not really much I could do about them. 
Um, so like I had appendicitis, uh, so I had my appendix out. I had an infected tendon sheath in my finger. Um, so that that was all, that, that was a wound that was there for like three weeks and I just couldn't do anything. Um, but again, like I've not, fortunately I've not been in the position with injuries that's kind of tested me in that way. Um, but I think the one thing that's that's always kind of in the last three, four years, comparing myself to to the top guys and always having that little thing at the back of your head that's like, oh, you are rubbish. Like, because at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of quite hard to put into perspective that you're running with somebody that's like a 28-minute 10K runner. And, you know, like I've run with, I've run with Alex E before, well, I say run with him. I've had him run past me and put significant distance into me. And sometimes you're just looking at these people and you're like, wow, like, what am I even trying to do it? But then I always come back to the fact that, you know, when I was 18, I was like running 37 minutes for 10K and now I can run 67 minutes for a half marathon. And that kind of always kind of brings me back when I'm looking at these guys. I'm like, well, I'm not very good. And then I'm like, oh, well, you know, I've, I've done all right. Uh, done all right. And, and still on an upward trajectory from what you're saying and still got plans in terms of sort of it, it sounded to me when you were talking about your increases in volume that you weren't necessarily sort of suggesting that it, in terms of the increases they end here, that, that this is just part of a plan to, to keep being able to sort of move, move that um, volume on so that you're at a point that um, some of the other guys are at in terms of the training load. And I, I just wonder in terms of your planning, do, do you plan the year ahead and have you got sort of a longer term plan beyond the next year or where you'd like to get to? You mentioned about going pro and, um, yeah, and hopefully uh, avoiding the real world. So a little bit interested in you know, what your plans are going forward yeah so um so i mean in in the short term uh if i can if i can kind of fund it i'd like to try and race um, indiana wells in december uh, that's in california because uh, that always gets a good american field um, and I'd, I'd quite like to quite like to go over there and then see what see what the race is like o- over in america and then kind of long term um, I think maybe next year I'm gonna have to pick and choose choose my races, um, just trying to try and suit me and, and make sure that I can just get some good results under my belt and kind of establish myself. Um, and hopefully with some you know some decent results, potentially will come some opportunities for sponsorship or you know to work with people. Um, and and really, it's just now that I've got the pro license, it's kind of kind of use it as a platform to then you know make four or five years out out of being a professional, um, and and just try and do it for as long as I can at a, at a decent level because I think that I can I can push on from where I am. I think that I've still got a lot of room to keep going um, because, like you say, I've, I don't think I've seen a plateau in in what I've been doing yet. I think if I'd seen a plateau, I think I would doubt it, doubt myself. But at the moment, I haven't seen that. And I, I think that I can keep going from there. So that would be the next kind of next next 12 months anyway, is just establish it and then try and, and then try and move on from that as well. Yeah, yeah interesting, because it, it's obviously well done. Some people respond very, some people are almost close to their capacity before they start training. So actually the training you know there's not much for them to gain in terms of training but you've come from you know not not a low point but for elite level athlete from a 37 minute 10k obviously it's huge progress isn't it to, to where you are now as, as you suggest but um you know, when people start to plateau in the training and level off that's when people start looking at alternative ways of training and trying to get out that extra sort of you know one or two minutes and a few seconds on each of the disciplines but you, you you don't seem to have even got to that point yet, do you? So it, like you said, it seems like there's still uh, plenty of scope for progress, which is you know must be very inc- encouraging for you. Um, that, that was it for me for now, Matt. So if we, you've got any more yeah, thoughts yeah. while we've been chatting? Yeah, I'm just still thinking about training and stuff like that. 
I'm still thinking about that, com- that comment you made about the bike, to be honest. You said um, there's not much point me starting adding intervals in there because if I do four or five hours steady, my legs are sore after that. So until I can manage that, why, why would I want to start doing intervals? And it's probably the most common sense thing I've heard anybody say for a long time, to be honest, about cycle or triathlon training. And um, with, your, with, your, with your biking, um, I'm just curious as well, do, do, you, do you prefer to, to uh, indoors? Are you a Zwift rider or do you like riding outdoors which do you prefer and which would you try and shy towards uh i think they're both um i think they're like when i'm doing anything less than two hours i just just won't bother going outside because um you know it takes half an hour to get out out of like kind of busy roads and then by that time you're turning around you know if you're going for an hour easy spin or if you're just doing two hours um but i don't really like doing the longer stuff on the on the turbo um but i am a big i am a big fan of the zwift racing even though if you're you know you're riding against people that might be uh bodging the weight a little bit but i think that some of the zwift races that i've done have been some of the hardest bike sessions i've ever done because i think you just get that extra five percent out of yourself thinking to yourself i'm not letting you beat me like and you know you can kind of back yourself up a little bit doing that like um in in the winter, we uh, me and one of my mates, we were on uh, we were on Discord, and we were doing like three races back to back, and we were just like hammering a gel for a ten minute cool down, and it ended up being like twenty five minutes, ten minutes easy, twenty five minutes, ten minutes easy, and then fifteen minutes, and I was absolutely dead at the end of it. But I would never have got, I've never been outside and ridden that hard before. Yeah. So I think in that respect, I think you know indoor stuff does have that um, but coming back to like the comment on on the cycling it, it's it's more come from my running that i've realized that because uh when i got running properly about four or five years ago i, I had come from um having really bad like uh, tendonitis in my achilles and plantar fascia pain and I was just being really, really steady with it. So all I was doing is running. I wasn't doing anything else. And then I turn up to a run session and say it was four by five minutes. I would just do five minutes and go home. And then the next week I would do five minutes and a two minutes and then I'd go home. And I just did, I did that for 12 months. And it, I think it took me probably six to eight months to fully get into a proper run session um, because I was just being really cautious and I was just like, I don't want to get injured again because it sucks. And by that stage, six, eight, six to eight months later, I was at 40 to 50 mile a week. And then I started putting in the run sessions in and then you're at 60 mile a week. And then it's like, all right, well, I just stay here for a bit. And, you know, 60 mile for me is where my body's kind of like, yeah, all right. And I don't know, maybe in 12 months time, I'll be able to run 80 mile a week. With the run sessions and my body will be like yeah we can do this including the cycling and stuff but at the moment like i found my ceiling where i want to be at yeah, yeah. And when you run please heart rate and like that or when you bike if you're outdoors do you use power and heart rate and all that stuff or are you more of a going off feel kind of person um so i tend to use pace when i'm running um because well i use pace and power uh my heart rate is a bit weird because it's really low um i think my max heart rate is on, on the bike yeah on the bike it's like 168 and on the run it's like 174 and if i'm seeing 174 when i'm running i'm probably going to collapse so um i don't really bother using heart rate that much i just use kind of use pace and power um so yeah yeah that's that's pretty much that yeah, yeah. So, um, looking ahead to Portugal, I know you've just been talking about it. Do you know who's racing at Portugal? What the elite feels like? Yeah, it's absolutely stats. Uh, um, you got well, uh, Johnny Brown is doing it. George Goodwin's doing it. Um, Sam Laidlow's doing it. And then there's a few other ITU guys that are doing it. Um, and then there's some, like I said, there's some established middle distance people doing it. Um, so it's pretty stacked, but again, if you look at the field, some of them are also entered into the race the week before. Uh, I think it's, is it Mallorca maybe, you know, yeah. so 
Yeah. It could be like that. I might be like, who, who is going to turn up? But at the moment, I know I definitely know Johnny's doing it because uh, I've had the chat with him. Um, and it was interesting to see, to see George George Goodwin on there. Um, so I imagine that he's probably going to do it. I think he might be a bit disappointed after Worlds because I don't know what happened, but he didn't have a great doubt. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And have you got anything pending after Portugal? Uh, so it would literally be um, uh, Indiana Wells in December, um, but again, that depends on if if I can get over there. Um, and then it's probably just running races. Uh, there's Preston, Preston ten miler, Telford ten k, and Ribble Valley ten k. I'd like to I'd like to give Ribble Valley a good a good go and see if I can you know get into the twenty nine minutes. Telford's fast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's competitive. So uh, hopefully, one of those. It'd be nice to go sub thirty. Um, uh, but yeah. Yeah, and you've got. You, where are you now? You, with with your running, I know you've got it right down to. You went under fifteen for five k this year, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. That, uh, I did that at uh, Wigan at the uh, fast five fourteen forty four. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching that on the live stream. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think when we're running, I think I may have hit a bit of a, a bit, bit of a stale zone. Uh, but I think that that's mainly because I don't I don't do much on the track. Um, and I think that I've probably got to the stage where I need to be doing some pretty disgusting running to bump it up again. But at the moment, I'm I'm sat at a nice level where I think is is pretty good for what I need to be doing. Yeah. Uh, I think, like like I was saying, I think it's more coming for triathlon. It's more coming down to the bike now, and it's getting off the bike in a position to put my legs in the position where I can run a seventy flat on a yeah. flat course. Yes, you know, a seventy flat in running terms would probably be tempo. Like I should, I should be able to go out and do a seventy flat on the canal, for example. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, my legs are. Are probably pretty sore coming off the bike and I can't quite get to that pace yet so I think that now it's kind of holding my running where it is yeah. and, and focusing on getting cycling to where it needs to be to get off the bike in a good position. Yeah 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 that makes perfect sense yeah the running's probably already good enough it's just coming off the bike being able to utilize it isn't it yeah 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 I, I, here's an interesting question for you James um Winning Ironman UK, 70.3, coming in first there. Which would you perceive to be your greatest victory? Parmal duathlon a couple of years ago or Ironman UK? I mean, which one would you hold closest to your heart? Pretty close, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Answer this one carefully. Parmal <laughs> was really good. That was the last race I did before COVID hit. Um, well, it was the last. It was the last race anybody did before COVID. Was, yeah. Literally, we were all joking about it. Yeah, we? A week we were. after that was it. Yeah, we were. Um, we were all like pretending that we couldn't shake hands, and then uh, and then we weren't allowed out of our houses for twelve months. Really, so. <laughs> yeah, we really weren't allowed to shake hands. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, Ian, anything else for you? I was just going on that last point. Um, I wonder if you did any cross country or is it mainly on the road that you do? Uh, yeah, um, uh, I think Horwich, the men's team, are looking at the uh, the Manchester League this year. So I think I'll, I think I'm going to do the first one in October, and then I'll and then I'll see maybe January, February. And uh, yeah, quite a few people use that as part of the winter running, don't they? Yeah, I hate, I hate cross country. I'm not strong enough. <laughs> really not strong i like i like running on the road because i can just run but cross country is it's like a tough man's sport isn't it? and my legs are just like what are you doing yeah it's uh, it's definitely uh challenges you in a different way doesn't it to the road and um uh, and w- w- with the use of power and pace that you mentioned earlier uh, on the bike and, and running are you looking at those during races or are you uh uh, sort of feeling the race and, and what other people are doing uh, yeah I think well I mean um, at Nottingham and Holcombe when it was like kind of race race pack dynamics um, I was just trying to I was just trying to say 10 metres away from the wheel in front of me and also not lose the wheel because that kind of hurts when you're having to chase it down 
and then um yeah then on the run it's just i think when you're doing it when it's in a race dynamic like that you're just running um and occasionally every now and again i'll look at my watch and be like oh this is pretty quick um yeah normally normally in races it doesn't i guess it doesn't really matter as much um but when i'm training i'm i'm looking at it quite quite a lot i guess so you, you, during the race, you're taking it more from a feedback on, on how the race is going rather than it driving your strategy. You're looking at for feedback on what you're actually doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, power on the bike. I mean, there's only there's only if you're good enough on the bike, I suppose you can look at your power and be like, you know, you know, when you hear like uh, Sam Long or Sanders and and these guys on the bike and they're like, oh yeah, I did 10 minutes at 400 watts. Well, yeah, it's all right if you're good enough to do that. But at the moment, I don't think I'm good enough to be like, well, I've looked down and I'm going to do 320 watts for 10 minutes. Uh, at the moment, I'm looking down at my power going, oh, this really hurts. <laughs> How long's left? And I'm looking and I'm like, oh, I've got 30 mile left. Brilliant. Great. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm sure that'll come. Yeah. <laughs> It'll come eventually, yes. Super. Well, uh, I think Ian. If there's a, is there anything else from you? Any final? Oh, yeah, great. Super. Yeah. Well, I guess we're gonna gonna wrap it up there. I would say, you know, the thing is, James. Whatever happens from here, you know, as far as Wigan Tri Club are uh, concerned, you're always going to be Wigan Tri Club. You see, so they're always going to claim like uh, it was yeah. a Wigan Tri Club victory. You know, so it uh, doesn't matter if you join anybody else. That's that's yeah. what's happen going forwards irrelevant to what you remember or not but uh, no it's great great to speak to you um, and uh hopefully if the podcast goes out a few more people will know who you are and that you're local and yeah. um, we wish you the best of luck for portugal and also we'll be watching very closely what happens beyond portugal as well in your uh, your hopefully your future career as a pro triathlete so thanks very much for coming on today Thanks for listening to the show today. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow myself uh, via the Endurance Store at Endurance Coach. You can follow Mike, the Endurance Physio, at the Endurance PT. And you can follow Dr. Ian Bordley at MD Sport X. That's MD Sport EX. Uh, you can also visit our website. You can visit theendurancestore.com, which is a local running shop near Wigan. And uh, we also offer the Endurance Coach testing and coaching services. And also just check out sportsinjuryfix.com where you can find a sports injury specialist near you. Speak to you soon.